You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit JCastNetwork.org. Good morning, everyone. Okay, so we're uh, um, continuing in our uh, in our slightly tongue-in-cheek discussion of what's the point? Uh, what's the point of Judaism and all of its uh, laws and practices? Going through mitzvah by mitzvah, um, uh, tackling some of the more uh, uh, mind-boggling uh, commandments uh, and practices to, to find out that there's a uh, um, a. A, a, a real rationale that can be deciphered uh, behind uh, these commandments other than uh, because God said so. Um, and uh, and, and, and uh, working from a theory that, uh, that, that every commandment has a, uh, has a toilet, has a usefulness, has a, util- has a human utility uh, behind it that's uh, uh, meant to do something um, uh, to improve uh, human life uh, to uh, enable us to uh, to think a different way uh, and to live a different way, to, uh, to to make the world a better place, to make our lives better, uh, whatever it may be. Um, so uh, we've been going through roughly the pattern of the parshiot, the weekly Torah portion, but uh, um, uh, skipping here and there, especially when there's a holiday, to look at things that are related to the holiday. And uh, Sukkot is a goldmine uh, for talking about these kind of commandments that uh, some seem to defy rational explanation. Uh, you know, why build a sukkah? Um, uh, you know, why, uh, why build a sukkah in the specific manner that we're supposed to build a sukkah with the amount of walls that we're supposed to build and uh, the, the, uh, the kind of roofing that you're supposed to have on it. Um, and then uh, uh, the other major uh, piece of sukkot is uh, the lulav and etrog, or the arbaminim, the four species of plants that we're supposed to uh, uh, take and bundle together and wave around during the holiday. Uh, and in particular, on the first day is, uh, is when it's uh, uh, most urgent. But even after that, um, why are we commanded to do that? Um, it seems a very odd commandment. Um, and uh, I have friends that uh, uh, that that have uh, um, friends who are observant who uh, who really struggle with uh, with uh, lulav and etrog um, because it seems uh, so radically unnecessary, uh, um, uh, almost pagan, um, uh, uh, if you will. Uh, so uh, it's a, it's a very strange uh, commandment. But basically, just as a preface, the commandment works like this. And some of you already brought yours in here, uh, getting ready for tomorrow's holiday or tonight's holiday. Uh, but we'll wave the love and the first time uh, tomorrow. Um, you take, uh, according to the Torah, the Torah is a little bit opaque, actually, in, in what in which uh, plants these are supposed to be exactly. Uh, but the rabbis uh, commonly understand them to be uh, a, a palm branch, that's the lulav, uh, a, uh, a myrtle branch, uh, that's the uh, hadassah, uh, a willow branch, that's the arava, uh, and, a, uh, and the... Um, uh, the Torah says, uh, uh, pre-etz hadar, the fruit of a beautiful tree, 
or the fruit of a Hadar tree, um, which uh, which no one actually really knows what it means, but we but the rabbis interpreted it to mean an etrog, which is uh, um, which is uh, like a bumpy lemon, right? Um, it's uh, my 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 nephew uh, in class. Uh, uh, someone asked. Uh, he was like in second grade, and someone asked, "What's a teacher asked? What's a, what's an etrog?" And uh, and he says, uh, "It's like a lemon, but more religious." <laughs> 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 So when we're supposed to take these, uh, uh, we're supposed to take these um, uh, four species of, uh, of of plants together, and the Torah says, uh, "You should uh, rejoice with them before the Lord your God." Again, that's a little bit opaque. We don't really know exactly what that means, uh, but the rabbis interpret it. Uh, to mean two things. One is to shake them around, to wave them in all different directions, uh, and uh, the other is to um, uh, is to dance around in a circle with them, essentially, which we do over the course of the holiday in a, a processional called Hoshan Notes, where you dance around the sanctuary holding the, the Lulav and Etrog. It's uh, interesting, um, just as an aside, not really related to what we're talking about, but the word um, the word Chag in, uh, in, in Hebrew, um, a Bible professor at uh, the uh, American Jewish University named Sioni Zevit um, has, is known for his um, um, creative and ultra-precise definitions of uh, biblical words, and he translates the word Chag, which we translate as holiday, and Sukkot uh, in rabbinic literature is, is commonly known as Hechag. The holiday, right? Um, and, it, and it makes sense when you listen to uh, uh, Dr. Zevit's definition of the word Chag. He, he says Chag means to celebrate circumambulatorily. To celebrate circumambulatory means to, uh, meaning to, uh, to, to rejoice by dancing around in a circle, right? Um, interestingly, um, one of the uh, five pillars of Islam uh, is known as the Hajj, right? Um, which is the pilgrimage that uh, every Muslim is supposed to make to Mecca. And when you go to Mecca, the ritual of that pilgrimage is to dance around, I think, seven times in a circle around the Kaaba, which is the central shrine of, uh, of Islam. So the, the, uh, the word of Chag and Hajj are the same, are the same word. If you, uh, in some, uh, um, some Arabic-speaking Jews um, will pronounce the Gimel, um, uh, as a j sounds, you know, bre pre hajafen, some people would say, right? Um, and uh, um, and so the the word haj and chag are ultimately the same word in Arabic and, and Hebrew, and they therefore uh, uh, indicate that it means r- roughly the same thing to celebrate by dancing around in a circle. So when the so when uh, when when the rabbis call Sukkot hechag. Right? It means that the that the the, the, old, the root of the holiday, the, the ultimate practice of the holiday is to to dance around in circles. That's what we do with the the lulav and etrog. But why do we? Why? What's the point of uh, of, of taking these uh, taking these plants? Do they have any sort of uh, human utility um, other than um, take these plants because God told you to, and there's no real reason behind it. Um, so we've been looking at the sefer achinuch to uh, to talk about these kinds of questions. And uh, and he has, I think, some uh, interesting perspectives here. So I want to read his uh, uh, take as a jumping off point to uh, uh, for a conversation together about what uh, what what you see the uh, the reasoning 
um, the uh, the actual purpose behind uh, lulav and etrog as being, and uh, and I guess the, in particular you can come sit closer if you like, uh, and in particular the, uh, uh, the the question is what does it do for you, right? and and for the most part people around this table are are people who uh, who do this lulav and etrog thing. Um, so uh, I think it's a, a, a reasonable question to ask you. When, when you take the Lulav Etrog, um, what happens to you? What does it do for you? All right, so think about that question as we go on. So we're in the, um, uh, uh, we'll, we'll go basically to the middle of the uh, uh, of the first page, which is 352. And, uh, um, yeah, we have a little bit of time. So I'll, I'll look at the Hebrew, um, to begin with at least. Mishor Shehemitzvah, so the root of the commandment, the, the meaning of the commandment, Hakdama. So there's going to be, a, I've got to give a little preface here. Kvar katavti l'cha b'ni. So he, the, the whole Sefer Chinuch is written as if he's talking to his son. Um, he may have actually been talking to his son, but uh, anyway, it's written that way. Kvar katavti l'cha b'ni. I've already written to you, my son. Kama pa'amim b'mash kadam. A few times in uh, what, what has preceded. Shahadam nif'al kefi pulato shi'ase tamid. Okay, a, a person uh, is, uh, uh, is, uh, is influenced uh, according to uh, the, the actions that he perpetually takes. Um, that's a really important principle. You know, usually we think that uh, um, our mood determines our actions um, or that our, our thoughts determine our actions. Uh, but uh, it turns out that the, other, that the opposite is, uh, is true too, maybe even more true, that, that our actions determine our thoughts and that our actions determine our mood. Um, and so we... Uh, um, you know that that's why, uh, it, in general, a uh, um, a, uh, a a very diligent um, uh, practice of, uh, of of Jewish law and ritual as a governing body for your whole life. Um, you may not be a great person, um, but if you fake it for long enough, you might be. Right, and if you act that way for long enough, it may have an influence on on your on your uh, virtues, on your on your values. It's all sensitized. Sensitizing. Good. Okay, the medical terminology. Okay. Hmm? <laughs> the, psych- the psychological terminology. Um, uh, right, and I think that there's a, there's a, a, a lot of uh, a lot of truth in it. You can be a, an observant Jew and also be a jerk, but um, uh, but but uh, it uh, um, it's also you know the um, one of my uh, teachers talks about prayer in that way. Um, that uh, uh, one of the reasons we have a set liturgy is sort of like uh, method acting. Right? You're supposed to like become the script, right? Um, and so you, you you recite those words. They talk about what it means to be a righteous person, what it means to be a good person, what it means to be a God fearing person, and you and you say it often enough that uh, that that eventually you become it. Right? Um, this is an interesting theory. So that's that's the premise that he's going off of here. That by 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 taking regular action, it'll influence who you are. His concepts and all his thoughts are drawn after the activity of his hands, whether good or bad. You, you, know, you could be a great person, but if you do a whole bunch of rotten things, your actions speak. Right? 
And so God, who wants to uh, give merit to his uh, people Israel that he has chosen, that God has chosen, God gave them a lot of uh, commandments. God gave them a lot of mitzvot to do. I want you, I, I love you, I want you to be good, I want you to live a good life. So here are all of these things that are going to govern virtually every aspect of your day-to-day lives so that you don't really have an opportunity to do bad and that you'll do enough good that it'll influence who you are. That way your, your soul will be, uh, 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 your spirit will be influenced toward the good um, uh, always, every day. Alright, so that's the premise uh, that he's going to talk about uh, Lulav and Etrog. Umiklal hamitzvot shetzivanu, okay, included among the mitzvot that God commanded us, is to worship God and to serve God in, uh, um, in, in fullness and in purity. He meets vata tefillin. So for example, that, that, that explains, and um, we've talked about tefillin here, that explains why we uh, put on tefillin, to, to purify our, our thoughts and to purify our, uh, our actions. Liyotan munachin keneged evareha adam, hayiduim bo mishkan hasechel, vehem halev ha-moach. So they're, they're, uh, the, the tefillin are placed on uh, the parts of our body that uh, are connected to our our uh, intelligence and our reason. Um, uh, and so that way, Torah is connected to our intelligence and our reason and our feelings. Umitoch pa'aloze, and through doing this, tamid yached And by doing this, it tries to help us connect all of our thoughts to good. Right? So you, you, you put Torah on these places of your body that are connected to your thoughts in the hope that it, that it, uh, that, that it reminds you to think good, to think holy, to think pure. Right? In that way, uh, you, uh, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll merit in, uh, to, uh, to, uh, to remember and to be meticulous always, um, all day, to intend your deeds uh, in an upright and just way, right? by, by putting on tefillin. Okay, so that's the that's the premise. Ukemoken, but in a similar way, is the mitzvah halulav, is the commandment of the lulav and etrog. Im shloshat shloshat minav, with the three other uh, um, uh, uh, species that go with it. Mizeh hashorashi, right? Uh, so the the reason for this is lefishi yemei hachag hem yemei simchag dolal Yisrael, because the days of the festival are supposed to be joyous days for the Jewish people. Right, this is supposed to be, this is Zman Simchatenu. This is the time of, uh, of, of our joy. This is the time where we're supposed to um, uh, connect and refresh and replenish the joyousness in, uh, in, in our lives. Ki hu asifat uperot ha'ilan el habayit. Because it's the time in an agricultural society where we would uh, gather and bring in the, uh, the, the yield and the harvest of, uh, of, of, our, of our trees and our land to, into the house. And that's a time for, uh, for great rejoicing. You know that you have food to eat for the, for the coming year, for the winter. Uh, and, and so it carries over even into uh, a non-agricultural society, and you know it's really interesting um, that uh, um, that still in a, in in, a, in really a primarily non-agricultural world, there's something very um, festive 
about the atmosphere of the of the fall season, right? Uh, there's something really celebratory about it. There's something that in the air that feels um, very alive and uh, um, and uh, uh, very earthy and very homey, and that uh, that we still bear this in our DNA that this is a time where we're really you know sort of storing up goodwill and plenty for the for the winter, and so it's a time of rejoicing. And that's why, by the way, it's called uh, uh, in other places uh, the the uh, holiday of the harvest. And that's why God commanded us to have a holiday at this time. Uh, to merit them that, uh, that the essence of, uh, of their joy should be dedicated to God. Right? So that means that, uh, that joy is important, but, uh, but our joy should have directionality. Um, we shouldn't be. Uh, we shouldn't be. We shouldn't have uh, uh, rudderless or directionless joy. We shouldn't have. Uh, this isn't. A, this isn't a time for um, uh, for hedonism. That's not the kind of joy that we're that that uh, that we're talking about. Jewish joy, and I think actually it's borne out by the psychology. Real joy is not uh, hedonistic joy. Real joy is directional joy. Real joy is that which gives you not only pleasure but meaning. Right? And, so, and so God this is to, to merit us by doing this, and I think that the merit is a really real merit. Um, and, and I think that it's, uh, it's, it's supported uh, by, by, a lot of the, uh, by a lot of literature that's coming out of uh, uh, Penn, of all places, for, uh, um, now in uh, the study of positive psychology, that, uh, that, that, that real joy um, requires purpose, requires direction, isn't just about uh, experiencing pleasure all the time because uh, eventually you get full of too much lasagna. Right. Um, so, um, uh, or in this case, you know, uh, 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 you know, chicken soup, whatever. Okay. Um, so God gave us a holiday at this joyous time that, uh, that we can make our, our joy directional to God. Right. And so because, uh, joy, uh, uh causes our, our, uh, our, our material beings to, uh, uh, to be drawn after it, right? There's a lot of a uh, 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 spiritual, moral hazard in joy. Um, uh, it, uh, it, uh, it, it's, uh, um, it's possible in a time of, uh, of joy to, uh, um, uh, to forget about God, right? To focus I- exclusively on the physical and uh, material pleasures of the joyous moment. Tivanu Hashem lakachat bein yadenu dvarim hamas kirimotanu ki kol simchat libenu lishmo ulichvodo. And so God commands us to uh, take things in our hands that remind us that all of the joy of our hearts should be for God and for God's glory. So we 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 take these plants as symbols of the of the harvest that we bring in and yield at this time but we don't use it for our personal benefit we don't enjoy it which is also why by the way i see a lot of people doing this on sukkot it's 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 fine if you do um but you really uh, at least uh, at, at the moment where you're um uh uh, celebrating the uh, uh, doing the actual mitzvah of lulav and etrog, um, you're not supposed to smell the etrog. Uh, you're not supposed to derive benefit from the plants other than the actual act of the commandment. Um, uh, so it's it's a really interesting. We're supposed to take these plants, but not actually benefit from the plants. 
the only thing we're supposed to do with them is the ritually prescribed action of waving them around, dancing around with them. After you say the blessing, after you wave them around, after you dance around with them, you want to smell the retrog. Okay, smell your retrog, right? But uh, um, but uh, but it but it should not be the uh, the, the primary purpose. And it's, I try very hard personally. This is my own personal Michigas. I try very hard not to smell my etrog <laughs> until after Sukkot is over. Um, Pretty hard not to, really. Well, I know. Listen, you know, it's going to smell, right? Uh, but not to like hold it up to your nose and, and sniff it. Um, but then I put it in my underwear drawer and it makes a very nice, you know, fresh stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> you don't have to give it to make jelly. Uh, no, right, right. right. Liquor. Now, see, here's the thing about etrog jelly and, and liqueur. anything that requires that much sugar in order to be editable, I don't think was ever designed to be edible. But that's just my take on it. Um, right? But anyway, so, so we take these plants that are symbols of the harvest, but we don't use them for anything for our benefit. We use them only for a ritual action so that we, so that we uh, uh, um, move ourselves to a place where, where our joy at our harvest, our joy at this time of, of, of gathering and of plenty is directed towards something other than our own benefit, our own selves, our own pleasure. Um, uh, let's see, where, where was I? Um, um, so it was uh, God's wish, too, that the reminding object should be a joy-giving species, right? It should be um, uh, uh, something pleasurable, something enjoyable, right? It's specifically because those, the, the plants are really beautiful and smell really nice and, uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and give a lot of joy. Kamosha ha'et Eight simcha because the time is a time of joy. Kitzedek kol imrefiv because all of uh, all of God's words are are just and righteous. Viyadua mitzad hateva kib arba'a haminin kulan misamche lev roehem. And so God knows God chose the the four plants in particular that uh, that that elicit the most joy. There's a uh, one other piece of this. I don't know if this is really what he's getting at here, um, but. I, I watched a document, I don't remember who said it in this document, this great documentary I saw a number of years ago called The Journey. And, um, and someone, uh, they interviewed in this, this motivational speaker or writer or something like that. And uh, he, uh, there's a scene with him on a trampoline. And he said, you know, you should jump on a trampoline more. It's impossible to be sad and jump on a trampoline at the same time. Um, and I think that a lulav and etrog, the, four, the arba minim, are very similar it's, I, I, I dare you, right, to try to be sad and wave around and dance around with Lulav and Etrog at the same time. I think it's impossible. I think there's something about it. It's, it's maybe it's, it's just like, in a way, it's like so silly. Like, like, I know I'm waving around plants for no particular reason, and it's just like, it's, it's goofy, right? You can't dance and be sad at the same time. You can't jump on a trampoline and be sad at the same time. You can't, uh, I mean, in Black Swan, you could dance and be sad at the same time. But, uh, but for the rest of us, the way most of us dance, uh, right, dance. But, but yeah. when you're dancing around, and it does seem silly when you're circling, you're reciting this series of hush and out, which are pretty serious. And so it's kind of an interesting dichotomy. They're serious, but they're very celebratory, right? They're, they're, they're talking about all the ways in which God has been good to us, or God will be good to us, right? Um, uh, you know, and, and, we, and we sing them, for the most part, in very 
upbeat melodies and uh, um, you know it's not they're not we're not we're not it's not a dirge around the synagogue right uh, um, still minor key <laughs> so I don't I don't know enough musically uh, I, I, I most of Jewish music is in minor key right right um, certainly for the Hagim and for the High Holidays most of it's minor key that's you're right maybe that's because the church didn't allow us that yeah <laughs> is that right I don't know okay. minor key though no that's documented. Um, um, so uh, uh, you may be right about that, but uh, I, I, I mean, I could be wrong about this, but I don't experience Hoshanot as being um, a, a, a sad or somber processional. Um, oh, no, yeah. I'm not suggesting yeah. that. Right. But what's interesting is, is what he's talking about. I mean, originally it was, it was happy because it was actually connected to something. It was like the, we actually we just had the harvest, and this is symbolic of the harvest, and now you're saying it's happy for us because it's not connected to anything. It's just silly <laughs> in a way. And that also makes us happy. You're, you're right, yeah. but it, you know it's the same reactions, but it's a different connection. Right. I mean, I think that uh, that, that maybe it's both. Listen, I think that what he's saying is it, it was connected to the harvest, but in a way disconnected from the harvest. Right. So it, it wanted to have like symbols of the harvest that weren't at all part of the harvest. Right. Because it wanted to say that that this holiday isn't really about the heart. I mean, this is a time of joy because you're excited that the harvest is here, but your joy shouldn't really be about the harvest. It should be about being in the service of something greater than yourself. So even without the harvest, you can still have that meaning behind the act of taking those species together. Um, Is, Is that a reason why, you know, so many of the things involving the land are only applicable within the land. This is, you know, obviously this has been brought outside and been continued yeah. everywhere. And I mean, that would seem to be an explanation for it, I guess. So what's the, what's the question? No, I mean, yeah. uh, it's only when you're in Israel. Yeah, right. The seven years. But here, you know, which is again directly related to the land and it relates to the harvest, but if it's for something greater, then this doesn't just happen in Israel. It happens every place you celebrate the Hagen. Right, right. Yeah, I, I mean, think I was tra- I've been trying to think about that. Why don't? Why is this not limited to just Israel? Um, I, you know, and the, the truth is, I, um, I, I have to look at the look back at the actual text of the commandment in the Torah, and, and part of it maybe because it's there, there isn't a, um, a a direct connection to the. Here, I mean, I'll, I'll look at it, but the, there's not a direct connection. You know, some of the other ones it talks very specifically about. You know. Uh, the, the, the produce of the land. Um, that? Okay, so let's see. Well, this one is Leviticus 20. It does say, actually, uh, so uh, in Leviticus uh, 23, 39, on the 15th day of the 7th month, when, uh, when you gather in the produce of your land. Right? So it... it one would think that it would have been very reasonable for the rabbis to have said that this is something that is directly connected to the land of Israel. Um, and it's really interesting. Like, I wonder um, in medieval Europe um, uh, how it was that they got palm branches and citrons for... Uh, and I think actually what would happen is, and I've read this in some of the law codes of, and, and things like that at the time, um, uh, uh, very frequently what would happen is that there would be like one or two uh, sets for the community, yeah. which is an interesting problem. If you've been listening to Rabbi Alpert teaching over the past few days, he's been talking about uh, um, uh, uh, what, what the what the commandment continues to say is tem lachem." You should take for you, you should take it, which the rabbis interpret to mean you have to own it. 
um, at least on the first day. So if you have a communal set of Lulav and Etrog, it actually creates an interesting problem because you have to actually have ownership of the Lulav and Etrog, at least on the first day, um, at the time where you, uh, where, where you uh, wave it and make the blessing. Um, but I, but I imagine that that's what they did in medieval Poland because, you know, how many, how many palm branches could you reasonably have? Um, uh, so it, I mean, it is an interesting problem that, you know, I imagine because, uh, the, the, um, the, the, the early diaspora was, it w- was in places where it actually was, was, was not particularly difficult to obtain a lulav and etro, right. right? In Babylonia, I'm sure you could find a palm branch and, and a citron if you wanted to. Um, no? No, so no this, okay. this was Barcelona, right? So, uh, this was, but this is later, right? So, I mean, the early diaspora where, where a lot of the, where a lot of the uh, uh, um, uh, laws of Torah were, were um, interpreted and applied in, in ways that became halakha um, uh, over time. Uh, so the precedent of doing it outside the land was already very firmly established. Um, is the lula from the Talmud? It's not in the Chumash. Or is it? No, it is. So, 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 Okay, so that's okay. the that's the that's the that's what we uh, understand to be the uh, etrog kaput marim. That's uh, that's the date palm, the um, anaf uh, etz avot, and the it's the boughs of leafy trees, which we interpret to be the the hadas, the myrtle, the uh, arve nachal, and uh, and uh, river willow. Um, and you should rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. So um, we, we interpret kaput marim. Uh, so the word lulav isn't there, but we interpret kaput marim to be to be lulav. Um, um, okay, so the so v'yaduah mitzad teva ki arba haminim kulam misamche levroehem. So the, these four species are supposed to uh, uh, make uh, the heart of anyone who sees them uh, rejoice. Uh, he's going to go into an additional reason, which I think is a much more um, allegorical reason. Not, I, I think it's a, um, uh, hard to see how this is. This was the, um, I guess you would say, original intent. But it's an interesting theory and one you may have heard before. Um, so there's another reason for these uh, four species. Shehem domim le'evarim adam hayekarim. Okay, because they're they're uh, they're uh, they're correlated to four uh, distinctive uh, organs or, or parts of a human being. Sha etrog domelalev. The etrog is uh, it resembles a heart. Shehumishkan hasechel. That's the seat of a person's intelligence. Lirmoz sheavod boro vesichlo. To remind you that you're supposed to serve God with your uh, with your intelligence. The halulav dome le shidra, and the the lulav resembles the spine. Shehi ikar ha ikar shabadam, because that's the uh, the essence of a person. Lirmoz she yashir she yashir kol gufo laavodato baruchu. That you should dedicate your whole body or or uh, uh, direct your whole body uh, uh, toward uh, worshiping God. 
Vehahadas domel enaim, and so the the myrtle uh, resembles the eyes. Lirmos sheloyatur achar enav biyom simchat libo. That uh, on a day where you're rejoicing and celebrating and and uh, and uh, experiencing pleasure, that you shouldn't be drawn only after your eye toward toward uh, the pursuit of uh, of, of beauty. Vehaarava doma le svatayim, and the willow is similar to lips. Looks like lips. Because that's how a, a person completes every utterance, uh, uh, completes uh, um, uh, every deed is, is, is through speech. Now, that way a person should put a bridle of restraint, a uh, restraint in his mouth, um, uh, to, uh, to properly intend his words. And so therefore, at a time of rejoicing, um, uh, you should have a, a reverence for God um, in all of these different uh, faculties, right? Um, that, uh, that, that, that our, our, our hearts, our bodies, our eyes, our, our lips, these are all uh, places where in a time of, uh, of unrestrained joy, we could be led down a, a, a wrong path. Um, and so it's saying rejoice. It's a similar idea. Rejoice, but do so um, uh, with with purpose and with direction and with intention um, in every aspect of your uh, of your physical being. Uh, and so, according to the Sefer uh, Chinuch, those are the reasons why uh, we take the lulav and etrog on Sukkot. Is because it's a time of joy, and we should uh, take caution to direct our joy in a purposeful and positive way. Your turn. Your thoughts. I've always felt this second explanation <coughs> has was probably very important to them because they couldn't convince themselves of the first one. That they had to add something more allegorical to the explanation, for whatever that's worth. It could be, right? You would think if they were satisfied enough with that first answer, they wouldn't need to bring the second answer. Mm-hmm. Another possibility is um, that that this interpretation is so popular that if he were to have left it out, um, someone yeah. reading the book would have said, "Wait a minute, you didn't really get it, right?" Um, <laughs> what's another okay, thank you, Chag Sameach. Have you ever celebrated Sukkot up in Canada? Uh, no. Where, you know, toward the end of October, you're lucky if you can spend five minutes. <laughs> yeah, so Sukkot. a deer, right, so a deer's parents had a Sukkah um, in their house, and they said that there were some years that there was, you know, a foot of snow on the ground during Sukkot. It's a, it's a very interesting thing to celebrate Sukkot in a climate that was not designed for it. Right. right? Um, and it's one of the beautiful things about celebrating Sukkot in Israel is you feel like, like you're you're in you're in a place where where that's what they had in mind when they made the holiday. You go out and sleep in the sukkah, and it's absolutely marvelous in, in Jerusalem um, for the most part during this time of year. Um, oh, what's that? It was 100 degrees last week in Jerusalem. Yeah, with tough young Kipper. All right, so maybe it'll be a little cooler. It's our blessing that uh, <laughs> that, that Sukkot is a little bit more temperate for our uh, friends in Israel, and I wish everybody a happy holiday.